the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Rachel, we're here. Staff and Graph Podcast. We're here. And, you know, things have happened, you know, news-wise, I guess, in the last week or so that we maybe would talk about normally. I decorated my apartment you finally did. after living here for six months. So your, your <laughs> apartment is now a man cave. And the thing is, is like my office, you've seen it. Other people haven't seen my office. My office is way worse. Yeah, your office is. There's like autographed stuff yeah. everywhere. <laughs> You should have a sign like like the male versions of like it's wine o'clock signs like where it's just like no entry unless you can slam a bud, bro. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, I actually do have at home because we drink a lot of wine in my family. We have the um, cutout letters that say wine. Mm-hmm. We have filled them already. Very. Cool. Yeah. Took us like, like in- a year and a half. <laughs> what do you mean like like with corks yes oh that's that's cool so we and and the thing is is like now we've gotten to the point where we want to take them take some out and kind of make like a cork board with them or whatever and so the ones that are the letters are only like for special occasions so it doesn't mm-hmm. look like we drink a you should lot of start you should start your own uh you should start a new alcohol al- alcoholic uh letter encampment on your wall now you know like you should you should get your own and see how many you can fill it with like rum bottles or something or you should do one that would be so okay you should do one with with caps for uh for the bottles of coke that you drink okay so that's called the diabetes wall (laughs) (laughs) okay in university yeah did you do the thing where especially when you were underage Mm -hmm. um if you would i never drank when i was underage oh i did um did you ever do the thing where you would like finish a, like those plastic bottles of Schmirnoff or beer cans, whatever, and you would tape them Absolutely. around your dorm room wall? Absolutely. That was, that was, that was our interior design. Like yeah. that was, that, that was like, you know how people have like throw cushions and I don't know, like, you know, I've like got a throw a, cushion. Exactly. I've got a couple of them. Like you do have a couple of them. Yeah. Like, you know, you have uh, you have like, you know, uh, like a doormats and you have, you know, sort of tchotchkes you put around. Ours was just lining the like basically we had like drawers and and sort of uh like sort of built in what's it called like built like built in shelves and it was all just putting putting any anything that we finished that was alcohol related we just put it all all around and And that and and thus we have the reason for mike and i's poor decisions in university (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking but, of university. Speaking of university, uh, well, the, the Arizona Coyotes. So I was going to say, there's a lot of things. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Are playing at a university. Exactly. But the uh, the thing is, news happened this week. There's trade rumors. Blah blah blah. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that today. Um, we're gonna I think do something it's, different today. I think we're gonna do we're gonna have our it's our normal deep dive Thursday. We got we got to find a better name for that. Um, but. The Arizona, it seems like it's the end of the road, finally, for the Arizona Coyotes. It seems like that's, that we're, we're, we're closer to that than I think we've ever been. And while the Coyotes are continuing to tweet through it, like anyone, like anyone would do in, in an inevitable breakup, 
that's people just trying to tweet through it. Um, it really does seem like the future of the of the Arizona Coyotes is no longer in Arizona, or at least not under that management group. It's, um, and that you know what I just like before anything like yeah. that sucks. Yes, for everyone not named the Morelos because the and we're gonna get into this, but yes. the economic impact in like in terms of jobs is terrible a bunch of people are going to lose their jobs if the arizona coyotes move a bunch of fans are going to lose their team and that sucks because they do not have an owner who's capable of just being and conducting himself yeah. properly so where we're at right now and, and and to that point and it's something that has equally driven me insane and also made me sad is i feel for the local media there because i have never like and I know where they're coming from because at the end of the day, it's self-preservation. You're trying like, you know, you want to have a job to be able to put food on the table. You want to be able, you know, to, to, to keep a steady paycheck coming. But I have never been gaslit harder by a group of local of local media than I have with the with Arizona local media. And I feel for them because I know it is out of. Hey, we like we're trying to spin this in any way possible to ensure that we, you know, we still have a steady paycheck going in. But like we need to make it clear, like this is bad. Like this is bad. This is not a good thing. This uh, and, and it is very likely that the Arizona Coyotes, especially now, because they've missed two deadlines to present their new plans, uh, they won't talk to the NHLPA about about the lack of proper you know athletic conditions. They're not even on the meeting agenda for Monday or yeah. Thursday evening in uh, the Arizona or what is it? The city council meeting yes. that they're supposed to have. They didn't even make the agenda. They didn't make, which means that they're not on the dock, which means then, and the next, uh, I believe the next meeting is in March. So again, yeah, they meet once a month. Yes. So again, like, and this is for their new, their new uh, uh, arena right now. They're in a 5,000 seat, uh, university stadium that again all local media and also people who come through have tried to spin as fun and a good thing and that worked for the first little bit but then it settles into the fact that this is a professional hockey team and one of the four major you know like professional sports that's playing in an arena that it's honestly it's for like it's, it's a big five now because mls literally has messy yes so and the thing is is like they have franchise values that are exceeding the nhl right now all of their teams have stadiums to play in um, fun little fact, I've been keeping a secret from you. I am actually going down to ASU to take in a game. Just for fun? Um, well, so my friend is at ASU okay. and he's related like with the hockey program. So he's like, come down, experience an ASU game, but also experience a Coyotes game because I don't think they're going to be here very long. Yeah. I want you to document that entire experience. Like I, like I want you to go to every inch of that arena. I'm getting uh, a tour. Like, yeah, I want you to get the whole tour, but I want you to get the whole game day experience. Like, I want you to go to every inch of that tour. I want you to try as many concessions as possible. I'm going to crush beers with students in the students. Exactly. But I want to know what it's like. Like, I want to, I want to get footage of like what, what the crowd is like walking into the game, you know, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so, so we're going to talk a little bit about, sort of, uh, uh, I guess where this has all led, we're going to do a deep dive into the coyotes and we can't do that without first deep diving into what it takes to build an arena for a professional hot list. We're even going to just confine it to hockey, professional hockey arena that a team in the NHL is going to need to be a long, like to be a long standing sort of asset in that community to be a, fi a viable financial product. And then obviously 
we're going to talk about what that means for the Coyotes, what that means for this ownership group, and sort of the Coyotes in general. But let's start with what it takes to build an arena. And there's a couple of really interesting case studies that show what it's like with public money, what it's like with private money, and sort of the the drawbacks, uh, sort of the, the pros and cons of both. There's a lot more pros in one than there are in the other. Um, but let's start, Rachel, with T-Mobile Arena. Yeah, so what I did was I, so I have, for anybody who doesn't know who might be new here, I have a, a sports business degree. Mm-hmm. And this was my specialty until I decided to be a complete math nerd. And so I cracked open my textbooks and my notes because I'm one of those lunatics that keeps everything. Um, And I also spoke to a couple of professors that used to teach me about this because this was actually something when the Coyotes were first bought by the or were taken over by the NHL. I was in school and this was something we were talking about was the arena deal. So Mm -hmm. this is now 10 years my this first like year the- was 2013 yeah. at Laurentian. So T-Mobile Arena, it cost $400 million to build almost, like 375 mm. Now um, T-Mobile Arena is in... Vegas. Yes. And it is owned by BetMGM International. Mm-hmm. It's not owned by the Golden Knights, and they don't have first right of refusal. So for the draft, funny little backstory, the reason it's at the Sphere is because whoever in Vegas was in charge of making sure the date was properly um, locked down, didn't do it. And so the UFC came in from underneath yeah, I was say, wasn't there with a UFC? MGM yeah. and took the day out. So now the Vegas Golden Knights are having to host the draft in a building owned by James Dolan. Yeah. Now so that, so that's a kind of a case study in when the public owns the arena, the public needs to have the first say mm-hmm. And this is where it can bite you. Now, T-Mobile, by the way, is a phenomenal arena. It twelve out of ten. It rules. I was there. I I I got lost in there a couple times during the Stanley Cup final. I had to take the garbage elevator once. It was, but the location, like you, you have a full on like eighteen thousand to nineteen thousand seat multi sport, but also mainly hockey arena. On the strip, on the Las Vegas strip, we were staying at the at the Park MGM, which is right across the street. If there was a scrum happening in the media, it, like where where scrums would happen there, I would I would if I for, let's say I forgot my my microphone or I forgot my phone, I would be able to leave the scrum, walk across the street, go out to my hotel room, grab it, come back down, go across the street again, in the time that the scrum would still be happening. Yeah, like it, it's, it's incredible, incredible location. That is what an arena should be. Exactly. And mm. then you look at the opposite in UBS Arena, which was a $1 billion mm-hmm. arena when they probably just could have retrofitted NASA. But they said it was projected to bring $25 billion in economic activity. Um, multiple peer review. Okay. Yeah. Before you get into that, this is the I mean, we you've just centered around the argument that is used for every single arena um, that is that is proposed to use public money. They go, okay, we're gonna we want to build this thing and we want your money to do it. But the amount that it economic will, impact, yes, but the <laughs> amount of money that it will generate in taxes, in enter, you know, in tourism, in entertain, like you know, because we'll build an entertainment district around it. So the amount of that it will impact the economy, like it's it will make it worth it in a couple of years. That is the investment, and that's the deal that they sell you on when they when they want to take. Uh, when they want to take public money, tax money, basically, and put it into 
building. So an there's arena. really only one example of that actually happening mm-hmm. that I can think of, and it's the, the Detroit Illich family yes. in Detroit. Yeah, they said, okay, we want public money. We're still going to use a lot of our own money, but we want public money, and we're going to build this entire district. I've been to Detroit mm-hmm. in the new district. They did an absolutely fantastic job. Now, what made it different? Do you think? Than the than these well, other owning pursuits. Little Caesars helps. Yeah, but I think the Illich family, because there are such deep ties in mm-hmm. Detroit, they had a want, and Detroit got really hit with the economic collapse in the late two thousands. Oh like, well, yeah. The automotive the industry, city went bankrupt. Yeah, the city went bankrupt. There were multiple times where I'd be driving through on the Detroit Toledo corridor for a gymnastics competition where you would see like tires that had exploded in the middle of the road, but there was nobody to clean them up because there were no city workers. Mm -hmm. The Illich family saw this and said, like, we own the Tigers, we own the Red Wings. We have a societal responsibility Mm -hmm. to help rejuvenate Detroit. And that's exactly what they did. And now Little Caesars Arena is one of the nicest arenas in the league. That downtown core is absolutely fantastic. It's safe. There are activities. There are, it's really pedestrian driven. So it's one of those things where you can actually walk around and have fun. And that's what it's meant. Mm -hmm. It's not meant for cars. And so they actually, that was probably the only example I can think of where the owner said, we need to do right by the society around us that has benefited us. And yes, we are going to take public money, but they actually kept their word and there's been a ton of positive public mm-hmm. interest in Detroit. It's brought a ton of tourism. But UBS Arena was in Belmont Park and obviously they have the Belmont Stakes. That is a major moneymaker. Yeah. So I understand it. But they said it's projected to bring $25 billion in economic activity. Generally speaking, not just the arena. Okay, multiple peer-reviewed studies, which are like... They go through rigorous process. Mm. I went through it. It's a pain in the butt. But it's so that people aren't skewing data and actually straight up lying. It's basically to have a balance so that people aren't saying that vaccines cause autism because they don't. So multiple peer-reviewed studies, including like a full-blown literature review, which is basically like somebody reviews all these studies and like summarizes them. Say that simply having a hockey arena, no matter what variables you use, mm-hmm. like economic impact, jobs, this, that, and the other, contain absolutely zero evidence of positive economic impact for the area. Mm-hmm. Zero. Cool. So, so that's as we just money yeah out as we just <laughs> said, it is like that is the main argument that any team that is looking to use. Uh, use public money to build their arena. That is the sort of, that's the deal that they sell you on, that they sell you the taxpayer because it's your money going in there. But like, that's the deal that they sell the city council on in the city. And whoever is, is basically in charge of that money is that when we will build this, we'll take your money to build this. And obviously that will mean that we have control over it and all that kind of stuff. But look at what a great benefit it'll be. It'll bring new people. It, like we'll do an entertainment district. It'll have restaurants that will, that will, you know, bring people in there, bring people from out of town to watch this, watch uh, these games every night. You know, it'll, uh, you know, there'll be concerts and, uh, you know, it'll just spike the economy. And that's, a, that's great in theory. But like you just said, there are studies that show that there's no guarantee of that. That can happen. We just said that Detroit is like that. You know, th- there's a tangible. That's the only 
the yes. example, though. There's a that's tangible. A yes, there's a tangible <laughs> example of it working, but you can't. That's not just a blanket statement. You can't go and say, you know, build this, and you know, and this money will come in. You ha- there's context and there's factors that that and are they involved. Had, they commissioned studies. Yes, and also the Illich family has been embedded in Detroit mm-hmm. for decades. People trust them. Yeah, because they always do what they say they're gonna do. And they have a long-standing history of consistently paying their bills. Hey, and you know what? They even went as far as to Mike Illich quietly, and it was only uh, you sort of dug up by reporters recently, paying Rosa Parks rent every year or like every yeah, month until doing, she died. Exactly. Stuff and like so, that. And in Belmont Park specifically where UBS is, mm-hmm. it created 10,000 construction jobs, obviously temporary because after the arena is built, you don't need construction workers there anymore, but it created 3,000 permanent jobs. Yes. That's good. Great. Because you're bringing people out there. They also have a transit system already Mm -hmm. in place. I took it. Now, did it take me an hour and a half to get there? It did, but it took me from door to door. I walked out of my hotel and I walked 20 meters to public transit. I got off at Belmont like at the at the stop mm-hmm. and I was in Belmont Park. So the transit system there is built already. There's not extra money that needs yeah. to go into that. So I get it. It's also New York. They want their their teams to stay there and of course. it was never ever going to be As anything they should. but that. Yep. Then in Calgary, which is now a Canadian situation, they got a public arena, well, mm. somewhat they, but they had to give a 35-year commitment in, in which they will be paying leases on, which is different from what Arizona wants. Yes. Arizona wants full control. Yeah. That is not happening in Calgary because Cal- the city of Calgary was like, we're not giving you a dime mm-hmm. unless we get pretty much everything we want. Yeah. So here's the bill. The city's on the hook for $537 million. That's a lot of money. Alberta is on the hook for $330. Which is, why is, like, why is the city on, on <laughs> for like almost double? Oh, this is my favorite. It's crazy. The actual owner of the Flames, $356 million. That, the, if you are building an arena, and we're going to get to the shining example in a second, mm-hmm. the owner should be, it should be law that the owner is on the hook for a minimum of 50% yeah. of the cost of the arena. Because in Seattle, Mike, yep. they built a net zero arena. So already positively contributing to mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. With not a dime of city money. Not a dime. Mm-hmm. Everything is paid for by the Oakview Group and its investors. And when that happens, studies say, when you are on the hook, when owners are on the hook for an arena, they are more likely to invest and want to make it work. Because if it doesn't work, they're the ones left holding the bag, not the well, taxpayer. Yeah, it's like if you if you buy a house, you're more likely to renovate it and to painted and to take care of it opposed to if you're renting something you don't care because it's not yours exactly like it's one of those things where when something when you own something you care about it more or absolutely when you have to buy something like when my mom bought my phone when i was like yeah. in grade nine i i never broke a phone but like i didn't really take care of it the way that now, like my phone, yeah. if somebody even breathes, you protect on it, it with your life. Exactly. You know, you lease a car. You're gonna you're gonna take it in for oil changes all the time. You're gonna fill it with premium gas. You're gonna you know if the check engine light comes on, you're gonna get it fixed. Or uh, uh, you know if you own a car, if you lease it, you're like oh, it's not my problem at the end of the lease. 
Who yeah. cares? Not all my I got, circus, got my all, all I got to do is limp it along until the finish line, and then it's someone else's problem. You know. Right. So you're more. You don't want that to be a. To, you want to apply that mentality to a hockey arena, to that a building. Would, that would be bad. That's right? bad. Yeah. So. Seattle has, first of all, they're not leaving. They're doing fantastic. Oh, they're never leaving. Yeah. But like there's a genuine incentive for ownership to not want to leave and just say, oh, yep, sorry, we're not doing this anymore because we're actually on the hook for all this money. We have to make our investment back. Whereas Arizona or Calgary, they're like, it's taxpayer money. What do I care? Uh, Excuse me. My taxpayer money should not be going to an arena. And Let's get into that because in the city that you and I live in, yeah, Toronto, Ontario, the Rogers family is one of the richest families in Canada, if yeah. not the richest. And they just did, I believe it was a $300 million renovation to where the Blue Jays play. Yeah, in the Rogers Center. Mike, can you tell me how much money uh, came from taxpayer money for that renovation? Zero. Zero bucks. Zero dollar Roonies. And what that means is, that money, not that it's being spent appropriately, thank you to our government, because they didn't get any Ontario money or Toronto money, that money is then available for things like public transit and healthcare systems and schools. And social workers and, and, just, and general infrastructure, and you know? To improve to give, everything. Yeah, to give parents uh, paid uh, child, you know, child care to... You know, like, like just going all, to the dentist, going to the dentist, get, no, going to see a mental health professional, all sorts of things. There's money for that. Not that it's being used for that. Let's no, be what we're going to do is we're going to funnel it into the police department budget <laughs> and and turning Ontario Place into a spa. But the Rogers family has more than enough money mm -hmm. to do the renovations on a building that they own. The Rogers family is big enough that you can literally view them as like the Roy family from succession and you wouldn't be off. Like that is the kind of money that we're dealing with. They are like they, and the arguing and the arguing. <laughs> they literally paid for a cameo of the star of succession to like, I'm not sure if you heard this. No. So they, they had that whole, like there was this whole s sort of a uh, successor fight basically Oh yes, that with, I with the Rogers. And so eventually one side of the Rogers family won. And so they paid. It was not the right side. Yeah, and I believe they paid like over a thousand dollars for a cameo, and it can't. Everyone knows what a cameo yeah. is. Um, for the star of Succession, Brian Cox, who plays Logan Roy, are you kidding? To say like, congratulations on winning your succession, and telling them to fuck off. I'm not. Yeah, did you are not know you that? You kidding? Oh no, dude, that's incredible. no. I just make things up on this podcast for fun. No, I, no, that's legit. Like in, in any other context, that would be the hardest fucking move I've ever seen in my life, but. Uh, based on how they maybe not the best, but um, God damn, to, at least to their credit and the, the, uh, the renovations for the Rogers center are lovely and they're continuing to be lovely. Like they have the second half. I can't remember if it's, if it's a separate $300 million renovation or if it's the second half of it that's going on right now, but uh, I think it's the second half, second half, yeah. but it looks phenomenal and it's going to look even better that they, they aren't using a single cent of taxpayer money because guess what? When your net worth is 9 billion, $10 billion, you can like 300 million. And I know that not everyone's super liquid. You don't just have $10 billion in your bank account at that time, it out. but you can figure it out. You can sell some stock. You can do whatever you are. Uh, a okay. Right. It's, so it's couch. Let's... It's couch. Mind. It's like, it's like, it's like if I went out and bought like, you know, I don't know, like a $500 TV or something like that's basically what it, it's like. Yeah. yeah. Like, 
that's a great example. Yeah. So now let's talk about the Arizona Coyote specific situation. Oh, boy. So this will be fun. The very earliest in arena. This is according to Sports Business Journal, which is mm-hmm. like the legitimate source of information. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a subscription to it and I freaking love it. Um, the very earliest it would be done is the 27-28 season. So you will have been playing in a college arena for five years. That's they also, they unacceptable. Were, their original lease was only set, is actually, their original lease is set to expire after next season, I believe. Yes. So they, they were only supposed to play in there for three years. So the Tempe proposal, which failed, was a $2.1 yep. $2. billion plan. These always go over budget, by the way. Yeah, like, so it would... Probably, let's say, two, two point, and a half. Like 2.5, I was going to yep. say that, yeah. yeah. But here's where it gets interesting. Where's it get interesting? Half. A Please show me where this gets interesting. Half a billion dollars in tax, like kickbacks, tax breaks. Yeah. So what that looks like from a sports business perspective is basically in Arizona, they have this thing called the Arizona government property lease tax. Okay. And basically it's available to professional sports teams to pay in lieu of property tax. Mm. And you're paying obviously a lot less over the 30 years that the arena would have been there. The estimate, like future value, so there's present value of money and future value of money because of inflation. Mm -hmm. Over the 30 years, the city would have lost out on about $650 million in taxes. The present value of that is about $300 million. So just by not paying property tax, the people who live in Tempe will have lost out on over a quarter of a billion dollars in tax money, which is totally unacceptable. And tax breaks functionally function as like cash expenses. Yes. So it's like, I'll pay it up front and then I'll never have to pay again, mm-hmm. which is like um, not a good way to run a society. Simply put, Alex Morello wants $500 million in benefits for a $700 million arena where he promises to build stuff without public money. We're talking about a guy that can't even pay his rent on time being asked to be afforded the same trust that the Illich family was afforded after being in Detroit for decades, paying Rosa Parks' rent and building a lot of goodwill. And bringing that city back from the brink of like Armageddon. Exactly. So the other thing that needs to be considered is there's also an opportunity cost of giving that land away because that land could be used for in anything else. Literally, <laughs> anything. So looked into it, uh, not a good public transit system there. So the reason people were having to drive out to Tempe and not spending money on drinks and stuff at the game is because there was zero options, none, zero, nada to get there by public transit. So instead of giving them tax breaks to, build a new arena and taking that land away, maybe use your tax to build public transit yeah. or like a library or a hospital. But if you're going to build this, at least build like an LRT or a subway or even a shuttle bus program that can bring fans to the arena, allow them to drink and bring them relatively home. Because the majority of fans were coming in from Scottsdale, mm-hmm. which is a wealthier community in Arizona. Well, if they're driving, what shouldn't they be doing? Drinking. Right. I'm not going to sit here and say they aren't, but I don't know. But you shouldn't be be drinking. Yeah. So that inhibits your ability to spend money on $20 beers at the rink. And that therefore lowers the amount of revenue that's coming in. So now we've got a major issue when it comes to revenue, when it comes to public money, when it comes to the Arizona Coyotes paying their bills. It's a major problem all the way around. And the difference between what 
the Illich family did and what the Morelos are trying to do is the Illich family had a longstanding track record of being good societal mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Like good members of society and contributing members of society. Yeah. Alex Morello is like, I want to own a team so I can build a casino. Which, by the way, yes, that brings a ton of money to the city. I will, as somebody who gambles a lot, I will tell you, casinos are asking for trouble. Bringing in a casino is asking for trouble because the studies show that like gambling addictions skyrocket when a casino gets put in a city. I wonder why. <laughs> so that's the Arizona Coyotes. And now Mike so. has a timeline of everything. Basically, the moral of the story here is you're rich enough. Build it on your own. So I, so I, I think a big, yeah. So I'm glad that we, we sort of laid the foundation for what, what, you know, the public money versus, versus private money, uh, when it comes to building an arena and what that actually means and all that. Now I want to get into this current, uh, a, where, how the coyotes got to this point and also this current ownership group and basically how they've spoken out of one side of their mouth and then, and, and done completely completely something completely different at the other side they're basically the anti-illiches at this yeah. point and so we could go back however long you want you know like basically t- 2015 the glendale city council votes five to two to end its 15-year agreement for the coyotes to manage and play at gila river arena um they they approve it you know a two uh, a two-year deal uh it's so everything when it comes to the coyotes is like stop gaps they 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 cut out this 15-year lease back in 2015 uh, because they just, you know, they're a bad tenant. And they go, okay, we'll go two years. Then, in 2016, they now start to operate on a year-to-year lease. You know, where Heal Arena... Uh, Man, that's how most, like, single people operate on their exactly in a condo. And so, uh, you know, they can... Like, Glendale can decide not to renew the agreement by providing written notice uh, for every year uh, or on December 31st uh, before that year. Um 2017 Gary Bettman says they, 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 they cannot like for the coyotes to survive, they can no longer keep playing in Glendale. Now this all started in 1996 when the coyotes moved from Winnipeg. Maybe they shouldn't have moved from Winnipeg. Yes, maybe they shouldn't. Have. <laughs> but when they moved from Winnipeg to Arizona and they played in the same arena as the Phoenix suns at that time. Yes. Um, now that arena was not meant for hockey nope. and it was really weird and they eventually had to move out and all that kind of stuff. Sort of like the Islanders. <laughs> and so now, but it's funny because 1996A was the year we were born. So our entire lifetime, this started with our conception and Damn. now, and now we've reached this point 27, 28 years later and there, it's Mike's birthday coming up and, and, uh, I refuse to acknowledge that. And, uh, <laughs> And basically the big sort of pie in the sky savior thing for this for, to keep them in in Arizona is for Matt Ishba, the uh, or Sheba, I believe, the the owner of the Phoenix Suns now to buy them and move them into his arena, which he doesn't seem like he wants to do. This seems like, OK, so I do a lot of I deal a lot in business and I track a lot of how owners mm-hmm. manage things. Matt Ishbia, who owns the Phoenix Suns. I got it wrong. I, is, I said two different versions of his last name. I got them both wrong. Matt Ishbia. Sorry. So. And he's a good. He's good. Legit pays his bills, does mm-hmm. stuff like reinvigorating the Suns. Um, when owners see stuff like this, they're like vultures. They're quiet or like a shark. They're not going to come in there and interrupt everything like a damn crocodile would. 
Mm-hmm. They're going to lie in wait until the absolute opportunity to strike. So right now, Ishbia is basically dead silent. Because at some point, he knows that if the NHL wants to keep them in Arizona to avoid basically selling them to Ryan Smith, they're going to have to go to Ishbia with a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in 2019, Morello takes over. Uh, you know, the, the ownership of the Arizona Coyotes. He's worth about $2.1 billion at this point. Um, I also, so I read a biography on him on the way here on the subway. And uh, it's weird because he, it's all about, you know, his, his, like his family came from Cuba. They, all they had in their, in, in their possession was like a box of Cuban cigars and they sort of made something of themselves. Morello is, you know, he's, it's a, it's a rags to riches story. He, he I do love those stories. Yes. But what made me kind of weirded out was that he started like, man, he started at the lowest. He was only earning $5,000 a month working in a tuxedo shop. And I went, <laughs> Wait, what? Like, first of all, how's that possible? Second of all, sixty G a year. I'm like, you makes, and that's like that's sixty grand a year, back in like the I don't know, like the '80s. So that's like what, like a hundred grand a year? Like, is probably like what ninety, a hundred grand? Like, only hundred and ten? Yeah, exactly. He's fine. Yeah. So. Yeah, but then he you know, he he bought a yeah, a pizza parlor and tur- and franchised that like crazy, and you know that now he's buying. And then he bought real estate because that's where the real money is, and uh, and you know casinos and all that. Great, good for him. Um, and so what was really interesting here is that he he came in with a plan. Uh, he came in saying that you know we're gonna keep it, we're gonna keep the the coyotes in the desert. We're gonna have a, a you know a a, a a sincere plan. Yes, sorry, we're gonna have a sincere plan, and. None of that has happened. And so I went back and I looked at the Katie Strang article that she wrote um, about the Coyotes in February of 2021. She spoke with over 50 sources. Damn. And it and this was a big deal when it came out. I believe we even talked about it on the, a very early in, uh, iteration of our podcast. Um, but we it's, definitely did. We did. But it's important to look back on it because, and I say this, the Arizona Coyotes right now are employing a social strategy of, and they literally tweeted it, Arizona versus everybody there. That's literally what they said. They said, Arizona versus everybody. People are trying to sabotage us. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're the underdogs here, but we're going to keep fighting because we're going to stay. We're going to stay here. If it's our last dying breath, you know, if you didn't hear it from us, it's fake news guys. Oh, everyone's trying to, everyone's working against us. First of all, very few professional sports teams and franchises can ever use the woe is me card. Because they are very, because they are inherently very wealthy and they are inherently very influential to the public. And they are also a professional sports franchise, which inherently means that you are an entertainment product. You don't really get to use the woe is me. One of the last organizations ever that should ever be able to use the woe is me card is the Arizona Coyotes and specifically under Alex Morello deadlines. I cannot tell you how many deadlines this person has missed. Uh, like, or, it, or at least the, the, uh, the ownership group has missed under his, under his purview. Have I heard one positive story no. out of this? And so uh, let me tie this in. So Mike came with receipts. I did. So what was great is, um, first of all, incredible article by Kate, by Katie, like, you, she's never had a bad or she's never had but this is like deep going deep like it, it really so it, it's like flipping the rock over and you see all the bugs under it you know like it really shines that light um and so for one example she uh she interviewed a, a, an employer that goes if i was talking to a future employer and this is about the, the workplace culture because i want to get into the, sort of the culture for example because 
and how they do business. If I was talking to a future employer, I'd say it's been a learning experience, said one employee. If I was being frank with you, I'd say it's a shit show. Now, I've had that. Uh, I would say that about my Any, last job, for example. Anytime someone comes in and says, I took it as a learning experience. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about myself and uh, as yeah. well as about the industry. That is like code for. You need to hug that person. <laughs> this was a goddamn mess. Mm-hmm. I learned everything about what not to do. That is what that's yes. code for. Let me just decode that speak for you. <laughs> so, th- and this is also, you know, the, the whole thing is that Morello wants, wants everyone to, or at least when he came on, he wanted everyone to think that the corporate culture is a family. First of all, another big red flag. That's a huge another big red, red flag. flag. Anytime you go to a company, they no. go, this is a workplace. We're, we're like a family here. You, you, get, you hightail it out of there, or at least you get your backup. Because let me tell you, they, my will, eyebrow yeah. firmly goes, ding. So, like. <laughs> One of the big one of the big sort of calling cards for for or sort of tells for how an owner, how well a a corporate culture was or how what were the real true colors of an owner was during covid, whether or not they kept paying people or they furloughed or stuff. Were you Mark Cuban? Yes. Or were you? Alex Morello. So (laughs) but but there's one thing. And again, this is really splitting here. So it's one thing for like Jeremy Jacobs to come out and just not pay anybody and be a greedy, you know, curmudgeon. It's another to promise one thing and then deliver another. So, yeah. And by the way, Jeremy Jacobs was wrong. Yes. hundred percent. Mark Cuban is the example. And mm-hmm. that is the end. Yes. Yeah, so this this was written in February 2021. So it's his last March. So March of 2021 or 2020. Shortly after the NHL shut down for COVID-19, Morello affirmed his commitment to paying employees through the end of the regular season. In quotes, we pride ourselves on treating all our staff and players like they're part of our family. I value my team members and I'm committed to making sure that everyone remains safe, secure and part of our great team. In April. So this is a month later. The team announced it was furloughing half of its staff due to pan- pandemic related financial issues in May. The next month. The Arizona Republic reported that promises to pay the arena's part-time and hourly staff members had not been met. The team and arena management company, in response to the report, said that they would finalize our support plan that will be executed within the next 30 days. The team released then released a second statement later in that day that um, the report was published to say that the club provided their agreed-upon contribution to Gila River Arena this week. So basically, they promised to pay everyone. They promised to, to keep paying and to, and to keep people, you know, with roofs over their head during the pandemic. And then literally the next month, they furloughed half their staff, which means they put, you know, they basically tucked them away, slashed their, their, their money and all that. And then the next week, they decided we're not going to pay our hourly or hourly workers or part time arena workers, the people who work the concession stands, the people that, you know, run the 50 50 raffle, stuff like that um, in the in the P, in the bubble. One of the reports was that was going on is that. uh um, that the, they a didn't give per diems. Oh, that's that's a violation of the CBA. Yep, and so that was that was a big deal, um, and also that they weren't uh, that, that the that they uh, a request to expense pizza in the bubble after a game was denied. Jesus, goddamn! Christ. A request to 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 pay to buy like eight pizzas, um, and so another thing too is that the Coyotes. This was this is their calling card. Is they they call up a local vendor, you know, a napkin purveyor in the in the Arizona in in the local Arizona uh, uh, community. Yes. Jeez, I'm sorry. This guy um, is like I say. Uh, I got I got to I got to <laughs> cut it out. But so they call up a local napkin vendor in the community, 
and they go, we'll pay you. We'll sign a contract where you can be the official napkin vendor of, of, of the Arizona <laughs> Coyotes so or the, or, uh, the official napkin vendor of, of Gila river arena at that point. But I guess now, you know, mullet arena and they go, great. So we'll agree upon Let's I don't know. I don't, we'll pay a hundred thousand dollars per year cool. to give you napkins. And as the invoices start coming in, they don't pay. And they don't That's pay. That's usually not how business works. And they don't pay. And they don't pay. And then eventually, the person, the, the, the owner of the, of the napkin company or the local vendor, which is a small business, local business, that, that Morello seems that Morello is saying will be benefited so much by taking all this tax money and putting it into an arena. We've just stolen they, from they the They go, hey, vendor. you haven't paid us. What's going on? And they go, oh, well, we were actually going to talk to you about some of these line, line items on these, on these invoices. We need to go through all of them and figure out who approved this, what's going on. And the person goes, and the napkin uh, provider like, goes, they're napkins. what are you talking about? Like the, you, you agreed to this, to, to this contract. You agreed to pay us a hundred thousand dollars this year. The invoices are coming in. They're not. And they go, okay, well, if you say that, then we might as well get litigation involved to figure it out. And so this local business that runs on a very, on very uh, uh, thin margins gets so desperate that they need their money that they, they eventually agree to whatever the Arizona coyotes have haggled them down to. That's so gross. That is disgusting. It's a gross way to operate. And that was how they, that is, I'm not sure if they continue to, because I don't know if they, if they actually have, you a know, a napkin vendor. Well, I don't even know if they have like, because the, the building's owned by the school. So I don't, I don't think they're in charge of, of yeah. And schools in the U S have money. Yes. So I don't think it's the coyotes who are in charge of ordering the napkins and the cups and all that kind of Probably stuff. Probably a good thing. But that is what they were doing. And those debts exceeded $500,000 by, by, uh, uh, by uh, mid or early 2021. Now, here we go, late 2021. Uh, it's being reported that the Arizona coyotes have until December, I believe it was December 20th, to pay off all these costs or else Gila River, which has the which has the right to, was going to kick them out of their arena and it's they wouldn't have anywhere to go. So it's I call, always good. So I call up the Glendale city manager because I go, hey, no one's really like it was initially reported that uh, that they have some arena vendor costs that they need to pay. And the Gila, Gila River is is really pissed and they're trying to kick them out. So I call up the Glendale city manager and I go, hey. What's up? What's going on here? Because it was a big thing that they hadn't paid their taxes. That was a big thing. And they said that it was human error. So, and, and so the guy goes. Time out. Yeah. When I don't pay my taxes as a personal human being, mm -hmm. they can send me to jail. But we have companies worth billions of dollars. They don't pay taxes. And it's just like, ah, oh, we're just going to let them keep going. Can someone explain that to me, please? Because you missing out on like. 70 grand in tax for me seems a lot less serious than you missing out on uh conservatively 300 million dollars worth of property tax by this company. So here yes. So this guy his name is uh, Kevin Phelps that I spoke with. Lovely gentleman. Oh, very he's been in a bunch of articles. very exasperated gentleman when I talked to him, let me tell you. So he was uh uh he said, here in Arizona, all the tax, and keep in mind, the, the excuse for the Coyotes not paying this, the, these ludicrous tax totals, was, um, and by the way, they hadn't, I, 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 this was published in, on December 9th, 2021, is when I wrote this, and it was published. So since June of 2020, they hadn't been paying their taxes. 
It's a long time. It's 18 months, basically. It's a long time. I'm going to try and not pay my taxes for 18 months. Yeah, and see see what what happens. happens. See what happens. So, and their their excuse was human error. It was just an an unfortunate human error. You know, it it didn't... Okay. You know. Once again, time out. I own a company. Yeah. You know what a really easy way Mm -hmm. to avoid that human error is? I've never had this error. I've been running this company for a few years now. Uh, Hire an accountant. Yeah. So, <laughs> Phelps, Hello? so as he explained to me, here in Arizona, all the taxpayers have to pay online. And so there's a very simple process. You go online on your account, you plug in the numbers for the taxes that are due, and then there's a, and this is verbatim that he said, there's a gigantic button that says remit payment. <laughs> and that's done monthly. So every, so, so every month since June of 2020, somebody has filed that information and admitted the form, but forgot to submit the payment along with it. Could it have been human error? Was it impossible that it wasn't? No. Is it likely? I would say that we, re- we remain skeptical, especially in light of their past history. Now, I would be thoroughly skeptical. Um, now, I'm thinking of the CRA website where it's like for my company, like my accountant has to like submit the taxes. And then there is literally a giant mm-hmm. button. Yes. <laughs> now It says claim refund or remit payment. Like, it's not hard. So the, basically, the, the, the Glendale had to file a lien on the, on, on the building to get what? them to go. And, he, and Phelps told me, I'll tell you from experience or from my experience, I've never seen a Department of Revenue file a lien without having first sent numerous notices and calls to the taxpayer to get them into compliance. On top of that, he then broke the news to me that they had not paid their rent. They had presented checks that could potentially be used, but they hadn't paid their rent. They what happens get, if like we don't pay rent? You get kicked out. You get booted, and they and and that's what was going to happen. Um, and the big the big sort of problem here was that they'd already been they they'd already been told about five months before because you know Gila River, uh, Gila River they 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 didn't have to tell them that early, but they did that you know at the end of at the end of that next season at the end of the lease which would have expired in like June or something you're like we're just not going to renew you're going to be you're going to have a new place to go but because they continued to not pay their money like not pay building expenses taxes and now rent um, so the three things you need to yes, pay they had run the building yeah. pay the tax pay the rent they had until Zero. December twentieth to do that or they would be kicked out of their building and therefore the team would have would have had no place to play thankfully. They were able to do that. Now, do you ever do you ever have that friend that owes you like that keeps owing you money, and eventually you have to you have to you 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 have to you sort of hound them, and then they go, oh yeah, okay, uh, here here you go, fine, to get you off my back, here I'll pay you. That's what they're like. That's how they run their business, and so that's psychotic. So then they got kicked out. They tried to spin with with Tempe, and they they so they had to get a temporary home while Tempe was just was completely up in the air. We know it eventually failed, but before that, the team had the GM of the, the team had the GM and staff members canvassing, going door to door, saying, "Can we count on your support?" Can you imagine if you live like I live in a condo, and like I live in an area where a few Toronto Maple Leafs live? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine like there's a vote coming, and all of a sudden, just like Brendan Shanahan shows up at it's your like, door? Like, hey, I hope we can. I hope we we can count on your vote for. Uh, you know, article like, or what? for article or, or you know, seven. proposal seven C four that could potentially give us a new building. Like that's crazy. Tempe said no for the reasons you listed out there. So then, yeah, it was a bad idea. Yeah, and so in the summer, 
uh, uh, the Coyotes go, well, we, you know, we're going to sign a letter. We've signed a letter of intent um, to potentially build some some money in uh, not build some money, build some land in, in Mesa or Mesa. Just so we're clear on a letter of intent. I also signed multiple letters yeah. of intent. They don't mean anything. Exactly. But they <laughs> sign a letter of intent. So that's our plan. And the NHL goes, OK, well, you have to present. You have to give us tangible like evidence, tangible evidence. That this is going to happen because you need an arena. This cannot keep going on. And, you know, Marty Walsh Alas, takes the job. Has. Yes. Marty Walsh <laughs> takes the job and he goes, you need to we need to hit these deadlines. Of course, they never hit a deadline. But since signing that letter of intent, they've now instead focused on a different plot of land back in Scottsdale that they're looking at right Northern now. Northern Phoenix. Right? Yes. Yeah. And that and that also has no promise. Meanwhile, there's also no public transit. There's also no public transit. Awesome. Meanwhile, throughout all of this, they've been ducking the NHLPA because because Arizona, well. Arizona State University, uh, uh, the building that they have there, it's not an NHL caliber building. Like it doesn't have the facilities that an NHL team needs. You have to hold your media availabilities outside. <laughs> you have to walk four minutes. Uh, it's like a four minute walk from the dressing room to the, the rink. Video room setup is. Mm-hmm. I've been in OHL rings mm-hmm. that have that are better. That also poses safety risks. If uh, if a player gets hurt. If a player, like, let's say a player, you know, like gets knocked out and you have and regains consciousness and has to get back on their feet, you know, for I just use it. The Leafs example, the the locker room is right there. It's right behind the the, the dressing the x-ray room. room is right. It's there. right there. You know, let's say someone gets lacerated like, you know, something like that. Uh, has happened multiple yes, times the, like by a skate the, the the you know the medical room the examining room is right there you can put pressure on the wound and rush them in there and those seconds might save someone's life instead it's a four minute walk back to the back to the thing on top of this and this is going back a little bit before the coyotes were late and this is going back again to the whole thing where they don't pay until they are absolutely have to and then they go oh here you go we're fine we're fine um they uh, they were late on performance bonuses for their own players which is also a violation yes of CBA. it was a viol- it's, it's a breach of contract and violation of cba and and the agent of tyler steenbergen who is the first player who went public about this um was really pissed and the nhlpa sorted that out right away but it's another thing where like they will try and squeeze you and grind you and and haggle you down and like if they if the NHLPA didn't get on them they would never like Steenbergen would have never seen that money. And the problem here is absolutely the Morellos. I got a story. It for is you. hit me. <laughs> this is gonna make you like blow. I can't wait. I can't wait. So prior to Vancouver, I was chatting with teams. I was not like I never went in for a formal interview with Arizona because. Let's just say I've heard some stuff, and I was like, yeah. Because um, of gestures and everything. Yeah, because of this. Yeah. Okay, but somebody I know was interviewing for Mm -hmm. a relatively senior position in hockey operations. Good for that. Not head honcho, but like very senior would be in the room when it was happening. Congratulations to them. Right? Great. Um, (laughs) So this person goes down to Arizona. It's like second or third interview mm-hmm. and the Morelos are taking part in the interview great they're not leading because they don't know jack about yeah. hockey but this is where it gets wild so the people that are leading the interview person said like legitimate questions well thought out thought it was good 
Then Morello Jr. pipes up. Let me tell you, there is nothing worse than having to deal with an owner's son who has no, or an owner that has no idea. Like, I dealt with an owner that didn't realize we had a salary cap. And it was like, what? But this is an owner's son. This is an owner's son who has been appointed as an advisor to hockey operations, despite apparently not even knowing what icing was. Cool. Solid. We're in the middle of a meeting for a senior hockey position. Mm -hmm. Okay. This guy pipes up with his laptop open, turns his laptop around and says, would you make this trade? This is my fantasy team. In an interview for a senior hockey ops position, the owner's son is asking the candidate about his fantasy team. I can tell you, I went through three interviews in Vancouver. I was not asked about a fantasy team once. Like, genuinely my head nearly fell off when i heard that i was like what that's insane. this guy's asking about his fantasy team so to that point crazy that's <laughs> un that's insane that's crazy so to that point morello jr was apparently being groomed to be the next to, be, to lead the the hockey operations department that seems like a bad idea despite guys. not despite not knowing anything about hockey like truly this guy did not know anything about hockey didn't come they, from a hockey background you know whatever. how they clown on teams for like hiring the 200 hockey yeah. men objectively hiring one of the 200 hockey men would have been better than this is a better idea 100 at least they know what hockey is do you know what icing is <laughs> so what they would do and this was outlined in in katie strang's article and and also just from stories that we've heard is they would literally give him busy work to keep him occupied. They'd give him scouting assignments to be like, at least it'll keep us, it'll keep him off our back. Oh, I know organizations that yeah. do that with owners, kids. Exactly. Yep. Because he wants to get involved. But they're like, you know what? Why don't you go scout, you know, like OHL defensemen this week, come back with some reports and we'll, we'll put it right here on the refrigerator so everyone can see it. Side you note, know? I have a funny yeah. story for you. Quick. Okay. Hit me before you, I was yeah. interviewing with a team. And it was getting pretty far down the road. Um, I think you know where I'm mm. going with this. It was getting far down the road. And so they brought me out. I was chatting with them. And they're like, oh, uh, we don't have a desk or an office for you right now because the owner's oh kid has to has that desk. And I was like, oh, like in my head, I'm like, that's kind of weird. I'm like, is he part of the department? Like we've talked about the department. Mm. Like, how does he fit in? Oh, no, he comes in like once every two weeks. And I'm like, let me get this straight. You want me to work 80 hours a week and and not have a desk so that a guy who comes in once every two weeks can have a place to sit? Yeah, pretty much. What? Yeah. Now, I I was floored. I this think, happens a lot. I think people in, in in the Coyotes just corporate office would be a lot happier if Alex Morello Jr. Uh, only came in once or twice a week or once every two weeks. Uh, yeah. So they would give him they would give him busy work. That would like that would keep him occupied. Go scout, you know. Like I said, OHL defenseman. Get it'll get him off our back for a little bit. Go watch Maverick Landeru. Yeah. and then and then it's like yeah, and, and like I said, like and then you, you give us we're like oh this is great. We'll put these scouting reports right on the refrigerator so everyone can see right and next to the not in the database right next to the macaroni uh, painting that you made in <laughs> our you know that kind of stuff. Um, the children on the fridge exactly, and uh, and and it was reported by Katie Strang in, in that article that you know. He would just get he would he would lose interest after like a day or two and they would walk by his office and he'd just be scrolling YouTube videos. Awesome. He'd just be doing that. And let me tell you, folks, you've seen the Arizona Coyotes be tweeting through it. 
you know, they'd be saying, you know, Arizona versus everybody. And, and if you oh, didn't hear it from me, he's, fake he's news. He's tweeting, isn't he? Alex Morello Jr. has sent at least one of those tweets. I can tell you that <laughs> for sure. Dude, so how, where are you at? Like, could you imagine all of a sudden it comes out that like Brendan Shanahan's son is or even, no better, better. Larry Tannenbaum's son or no. It Ken Holland's son is Brad. Yes. What if it came out that Brad Holland, who also works for the Oilers in hockey operations, mm. was tweeting things from the Edmonton Oilers? Twitter it would be account. it would be crazy, but at least Brad Holland's dad grew up in hockey. In hockey, it would be less crazy, but it would still be kind of nuts, right? This is the son of a of of a billionaire who made his empire in in like pizza chains and casinos and real estate dealings, coming in and being like, I want. It's like Christopher I'm ready. Illich tweeting through it. Yeah, but Christopher <laughs> Illich knows about hockey. Like again, this is that unprecedented. Is so he, yeah, like this is this is He's what's going tweeting. on. Yeah, do we think he tweeted Arizona versus everybody? I don't know exactly which one of the tweets they did, but I do know that he sent one, at least one. That is. It could be. It could have been the the eloquent statement, or it could have been if you didn't hear from me, or if you didn't hear from us, it's not true. Hashtag fake news. I know that gms have say pretty heavy say in what comes out of the team's social media accounts like here's some examples for you there's a reason that the islanders don't do the same things that the kraken do yeah uh the directive is different Mm -hmm. there is a reason that the leafs and bruins don't do the same things that the blues and the blue jackets do the directives are different. The directives are different. When I was in New Jersey, there were directives for social media. Now, I will give Ray some credit. He's like, it's okay to have fun. Just don't... Embarrass us. Exactly. Yeah. So he pretty much... Like, he was pretty good about it, especially for, like, being an older guy. Like, I'll give him some credit. He was like, you know what? We hired you to do your thing. Do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bunch of stuff went down outside of the hockey ops department that was not ideal. But... Generally speaking, teams, GMs and hockey ops have say in the brand accounts and like kind of the image they portray. Yeah. No, I can guarantee you with 100% certainty that Ray Shiro never sent a tweet from the New Jersey Devils Twitter account. What about his son? Uh, nope. Chris and Kyle didn't okay. either. I did teach Chris how to cut video. Cool. Because he he came in and he was like, can I shadow you? Like, At least I he wanted learn. to learn. I want to learn. Yeah. He didn't interfere. He was actually super helpful. Now he's got a job scouting. And I'll give him credit. Like, he actually went to school, got his degree, learned properly. Like, he shadowed. It wasn't just me. He shadowed a bunch of other you people put in the for work. zero dollars. Yeah. And then they were like, okay, we'll give you a junior scouting position. You got to earn your way. And then another organization hired him. So clearly, like, probably half decent. Mm-hmm. But at no point was Chris Shiro tweeting from the account. Like, I would certainly hope not. I don't even think Chris has Twitter. Like, it's just, it's just, it's it's yet another step in, in or it's a, yet another example of how this ownership group, and there'd be many ownership groups before that have done this as well with the Coyotes, but specifically this one, does not run, they don't run the team like a business. They don't run the team no, they're it running is, it like a fantasy team. It is a bunch. It's like I run my fantasy teams better than this. Like it is a bunch of, of people flying by the seat of their pants 
giving cushy jobs to, to, to their kids and instilling fear in the workplace. Like it, it, it's just, like there are a few organizations that operate like that. And it just like, hasn't come out, but like, this is just such an obnoxious example so here's a theory. You and I talked about yeah. it. I just I just want to get your like quick thought on it. Ryan Reynolds missed out on the Ottawa Senators. Sure did. He clearly wants to own a hockey team. Could we see him, because he's been so silent, what if he secretly is planning to partner with a guy like Matt Ishbia? Like if Ryan Reynolds came out and said, I want to own the Coyotes, would we be surprised? Would you be surprised? Because he clearly wants to own a team. I, you know what? I don't think I would be surprised just because this is a distressed asset at this point and you could get it for pretty cheap. I saw someone say, oh, the Coyotes are going to sell for a billion dollars. No. I'm like, are you high? Well, because the the main thing with this too, that, that would potentially- They have no rink. Like, that would, yeah, I was going to say, the thing that dissuades potential buyers is the fact that you're not only paying the ticket price for the Coyotes themselves, but you then will either have to- engage in a in in a a battle to get public money or you will have to pay out of your own pocket to build an arena so it's really like like let's say the coyotes sell for like 600 million dollars or 400 million dollars i think 600 is probably let's say 600 million dollars just due to inflation and the fact that franchise uh valuations have skyrocketed so you got 600 mil you're probably looking at a billion exactly so 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 you've two billion so you've basically just spent two billion dollars on the arizona coyotes what are you an idiot like yes yeah so that that's what's really dissuading them is that their their ownership this current ownership group has left them in such shambles such like has just new has salted the earth when it comes to build when it comes to this as an asset that is dissuading other other partners from build, from buying it because they realize not only like maybe I could get the actual you know Arizona Coyotes logo and team and all that for relatively cheap for a, for a big sort of franchise, but there's an, an additional at least billion dollar price tag that is stamped on there. The second I take it over. Like I know somebody who was involved very late in the Ottawa senators process. Um, they've owned like mm-hmm. other sports franchises. Like they've been involved in ownership. They know mm-hmm. what operations looks like. I asked them, I was like, Hey, um, like I know you want to get back into owning a hockey team is are the coyotes something you're considering? He literally laughed at me. Yeah. He was like, are you out of your mind? It's like, like it's like buying a toxic waste dump. He said, he said, I would rather light my money on yeah. fire than buy the Arizona coyotes. You will have to, vi- that is basically what you're doing. Unless, unless you find a way to, to squeeze public money out of this place, which if it wasn't going to work in Tempe, it's very unlikely to work anywhere you else. Need somebody like the Oakview group. That's rich enough to just yeah. say, Screw it. We're going to do it ourselves. But why would, and, but then we, we go, why would anyone put that amount of effort and money into the Arizona coyotes? I think okay. it's a big media market, but at the end of the day, it's like you, you're paying that much money for the chance that it maybe works out. So I think that the sentiment around the coyotes would be drastically different if they had an owner like that, because then taxpayers wouldn't now you're going for fun it's not like oh we gotta go because mm-hmm. we're footing the bill here i think if you got somebody like the oakview group who said you know what we're gonna take the full tilt of this people would buy in more easily because they don't feel like it's being forced upon them it's like someone's coming in here and they're passionate about it because if you look at the things that the coyotes have done for girls hockey for just hockey in the community austin matthews matthew nice 
Tage, I believe Tage Thompson. Yeah. Um, there are tangible examples of Arizona having a positive impact on the hockey world as a whole. So I want, I don't want the fans to lose out and no, I don't want definitely not. the young children that are benefiting from the programs to lose out. I just think that you need a situation where you have somebody that can say, I'm not going to rely on public money at all. What you I, need somebody that's that rich. What I wonder is how many, because we talk about, you know, you just gave three examples, Tage Thompson, Austin Matthews, Matthew Nyes. I wonder how many more Austin Matthews's or Tage Thompson's or Matthew Nyes's we would have seen if this, if this team had ever once been run properly. Like, because frankly, those three got like developed their love of the game through the coyotes in spite of the coyotes. Like they got, they, they developed a love of the game going to coyotes games. Yes. But that was like, but they were able to find that in spite of the coyotes doing pretty much everything they possibly could to create a, a to create a, a level of uncertainty around the sport of hockey. You know, I wonder if they had actually from the ground, like from 1996 hit the ground running done basically what the what the what the Kraken have done. I wonder how many more of these cool Arizona desert hockey stories we would have we would have we would hear about today or we would be seeing in the NHL or in the AHL or whatever today. Well, look if at they like had California, like yeah. the boom that's come out of California now. Exactly. It's but, been incredible. It's just And so we point I, to these three guys, yeah, like you said, and we go, "Man, like it like look at what the Coyotes have produced." And I go, "They did that in spite of themselves." If they had been run properly, Maybe we maybe there would be 20 of these guys instead of three. Yeah, it's just it sucks because the fans deserve better. The taxpayers in Arizona deserve better. And at the end of the day, I think the reason I've, I've done a lot of thinking on it. The reason Gary Bettman is being as measured as he is, is because I truly believe he thinks this is going to end in a legal battle. That's what Elliot Freeman reported. He has yeah. to. He doesn't, he doesn't want to give the Morello group anything they can use against him. Exactly. That so is, that's what Ellie Mar- Freeman reported. Yep. He's on there, whereas Marty Walsh does not have any obligation to do anything. So he can just say whatever the things that wants. are happening. He like can he can just be real about whatever it. Whatever he yeah. wants. Yeah. Whereas Gary Bettman does have that obligation. And so I think from that standpoint, Bettman is doing a good job of sort of towing that line. Mm-hmm. But at some point, the NHL is going to have to basically say, we're taking this back over. Yeah. Like you're, you're done. You're out because I bet you, if you took a vote among the other 31 NHL owners, they are not on side with the amount of revenue sharing that's Absolutely been remitted to not. the coyotes because of this disaster. Frankly, as far as I'm concerned, the coyotes shouldn't be getting revenue sharing Absolutely not. while playing in that arena because they're not remotely close to being able to contribute. So that's kind of where I stand with it. And I want the Coyotes to stay in Arizona, mm-hmm. but I want them to be like viable there. And if this is not a shining example of why the NHL does not need expansion, I don't know what is. Yeah. So I want to leave it on one last note, basically echoing that I want this to succeed for the fans because despite the amount of, of, turmoil they've been put through they still love their coyotes they still want to see them play but it's a sick jersey it's a sick jersey and they have cool roots to the community and like you know the fact that they're embracing the hispanic like the thing at least what's what's been good with the morella group is that they've embraced the hispanic community because uh you know the the arizona is 42 percent latin american so they've done one good thing 
Yeah, and they've done all that. Awesome. Now, the one thing I want to say is I never want to deal with this ever again. I am so tired of talking about arena groups of talking about you know local government city council votes or about you know vendors and ta and, and land deals i never want to hear this ever again last year during the tempe vote i had to stay up until one in the morning to write about about a tempe city council vote for a, a plot of land that was a garbage dump by the airport. I, if you ever make me do that again, I will, I will lose my mind. I am sick of this. I can't. Every single conversation we have about the Arizona Coyotes is bogged down. Excuse me. I'm getting emotional here. It's getting bogged down in the minutia of local government and tax codes and, and all this. I'm sick of it. I love Pete Blackburn's tweet. This is, it's exactly how I feel mm -hmm. about the entire situation. I want the Arizona Coyotes to be a part of the Arizona community, but I am sick and tired of this. Shit. I think that's about as succinct as it gets. I want to be able to talk about the Arizona. I want to, I want to complain about the Arizona Coyotes power play or about the Arizona Coyotes making a dumb trade or about the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I don't Circumventing know. Circumventing LTI. Yeah, exactly. I, if I ever have to talk about leases or like I said, like like city council agendas and votes. If I have to watch C-SPAN to basically figure out what the Arizona Coyotes are, Coyotes are doing, I think we should like cut them loose and let them float into the Florida Pacific Hockey Coast League or whatever it is and just let them die because... And I, I, they need a new owner to come in or they need to move to where the Mormons are or they need to Utah, Houston, I don't, wherever. I don't, I don't care. care. I, I, I don't have enough. I, I just don't have any more ounce and uh, another ounce of energy to talk about the minutia that comes with local government when it comes to this team. I hate the I'm, government to begin with. I'm I don't want to talk of it. about it when I'm, I'm talking about it. hockey. <laughs> Every time the Arizona Coyotes get brought up, we have to talk about, oh, well, the, well, there's a new city council vote that's coming next week. So maybe there will be some stability. I don't I don't want I want. We're talking about hockey. We're not talking about the city council. We're not talking about this. I don't, shouldn't have to call it the city manager to write an article about you. This is insane. That's so bad. So, so I love the fans. They're passionate. They're the thing is they are like the fan base is growing there in spite of what this team is doing. But for the love of God, get your sh together and let us talk about hockey again. Thank you. And on that note, Rachel, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube, on Twitch, on any podcatcher you possibly have. Um, we are going to do some Mike's Meals for Ones that are coming up. We have a ton of all-star content that we're still pumping out. Um, it's going to be great. TikTok is, all, is also great, too. We got a ton of TikToks out there. Subscribe to our TikTok or follow us on our, on our TikTok. And uh, also donate to uh, Jumpstart, our charity of choice. We love it. There's a link in our show page. Mm -hmm. It's linked on all, whether you're on TikTok, Instagram, yeah. Twitter. You just click that. There's a mm -hmm. link right on that page it also has a link to like all our socials absolutely so it's a one-stop shop it's nice and easy absolutely it, it allows economically disadvantaged kids to play team sports which is a cause that is extremely close to rachel and i's hearts um yeah and so we will see you on monday and hopefully by then we'll be able to talk about hockey and not about a team that cannot get its crap together thank you <laughs>